and welcome to SPF and Associates' first episode of Tax Tea Time, where we spill the tea on taxes. This week, we'll be focusing on our friends in the music industry and their unique tax considerations. Let's start off with introductions. My name is Alex Frank, and I'll be your host today. Now let's hear from our co-hosts and subject matter experts, Rachel and Aronza. Hi, I'm Rachel Strength. I work with individuals in the music industry, like session musicians, audio engineers, and venue employees. And I'm Aranza Placencia. I work with self-employed individuals like songwriters and performing artists. Welcome. Let's start the conversation broadly. How can an individual prove they are a musician for profit rather than just a hobby? Treasury Regulation Section 1.183-2B outlines the nine relevant factors that assist in the determination of hobby or for profit. Depending on these nine factors and any relevant facts and circumstances, individuals are able to determine whether their endeavors align with what the IRC defines as an activity for profit or a hobby. An easy indicator to use is whether the taxpayer has received 1099 income. If so, it is more likely than not that the taxpayer should be viewed as working in music as opposed to having a hobby. In addition to the factors outlined in the regs, some states have started to add on their own tests for taxpayers to use when determining whether they are participating in a business or a hobby. One example we can look to is in California. Home to many individuals in the music industry, California's tests can have a major impact on the music industry in general. Passed in early September of this year, Assembly Bill 2257 allows music professionals to use new tests to determine employment classification for both live performances and studio recordings. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who introduced the bill, says that AB 2257, quote, represents a comprehensive framework for employment law that makes a clear distinction between employer and employee relationships, as well as professionals that run their own independent businesses, end quote. That is very helpful advice for any musicians since they ultimately bear the burden of proof to show that their endeavors are a for-profit activity. With such varied revenue streams, musicians face many unique tax issues. What is a common issue musicians face when it comes time to file their tax a major issue musicians face are the state and international filing requirements when touring. In general, there may be a filing requirement in any state you perform in based on the amount of income earned in the state and the state's tax rules. In addition to self-employed musicians receiving a Form 1099, musicians who are considered an employee receive a W-2. How has the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, or the TCJA, affected the taxation of individuals in the music industry? One of the most effective groups in the music industry are individuals who are classified as W-2 employees. These are individuals who work for larger businesses, such as studios and venues. Unlike self-employed taxpayers who could continue to list Schedule C income, the TCGA caps or eliminates many prior deductions for W-2 employees, including making itemization of their Schedule A deductions more difficult. These employees can't deduct unreimbursed employee expenses. Some examples of unreimbursed employee expenses include buying an instrument, sheet music, supplies or equipment, require concert clothing, mileage, job search and audition expenses, research expenses for professors, and home office expenses. The TCGA disallowed W-2 employees from taking deductions on tax preparation fees, investment management fees, memberships to professional organizations, or union membership and work dues. W-2 employees in the music industry were also affected by the disallowance of entertainment expenses. Prior to the TCGA, individuals could deduct 50% of costs in entertaining someone for business. 
An example might be paying for tickets for potential agents to attend shows of future signees. After the TCGA, these expenses are no longer deductible. Overall, W-2 individuals were given a mixed bag of small benefits and the standard deduction and lower tax rates, but an effective loss of the ability to itemize. As Rachel mentioned, the TCGA allowed some self-employed musicians to continue claiming most of the same expenses on their Schedule C that they could claim before the act was passed. Another example of how self-employed musicians have benefited from the passing of the TCJA is through a qualified business income or QBI deduction. This QBI deduction is known for allowing pass-through entities to deduct 20% of their qualified business income. In other words, the businesses will only be taxed on 80% of their income. IRC section 199A clarifies that this deduction is allowed for any taxpayer other than a corporation which means that a musician would not need to form a loan out company such as an LLC or an S corporation to be eligible for the QBI deduction. The musician must, however, have taxable income under $157,500 if single or under $315,000 if married, according to IRC section 199A E2A. The 20% deduction will be phased out for taxable income above these amounts. In addition to the QBI deduction, self-employed musicians are eligible for many other deductions with the expansion of IRC Section 179. For example, Section 179 allows for an immediate deduction of business purchases such as music, musical instruments, sound and recording equipment, computers, office furniture, or certain business vehicles like an SUV or van. These large purchases would have been depreciated otherwise. And although this is probably not an issue for many musicians. IRC section 179B1 specifies that for any taxable year, the aggregate cost considered under this section shall not exceed $1 million. Wow, it is interesting to hear the details of the major alterations the TCJA had on the music industry since its inception in late 2017. Aransa, can you delve deeper into the specific deductions musicians should consider? Sure, so home office deductions and expensing a lavish lifestyle are two areas that are heavily scrutinized by the IRS. In order to take the home office deduction, you need to have, a, have set aside a separate area to record or use for business that is exclusively used for business. Meaning that if you use your bedroom to record music, but also use it to do daily tasks, you will not be allowed to take the deduction. Furthermore, the deduction of a lease or depreciating the expense of a fancy car may be disallowed as a business expense. The IRS does not allow deductions for lavish and luxurious items as they rarely have a business purpose, yet renting the same lavish car out for a music video shoot may be deductible. Interesting, interestingly enough, there are some expenses that are deductible for, for musicians that may not be deductible for someone else based on their work. For instance, phone, office supplies, internet, business-related meals, auto expenses, and the like are typically ones that many individuals with their own businesses can usually be deducted from gross earnings. Rachel, can you give some examples of music industry specific deductions? Sure, so some of the more uncommon deduction expenses in the music industry include buying CDs or downloading songs from iTunes with the express purpose to learn those songs for a gig. Gear you buy for performance and production of income may also be deductible. Also, individuals may be able to deduct the purchase of an iPad, laptop, software, or other hardware used exclusively for recording and composition. 
When taking any of the deductions Aranza and I have mentioned, it's important that individuals can prove their business use through some form of receipt or other documentation. All of those aforementioned deductions can add up quickly and may provi provide substantial deductions to the musician. Aranza, can you elaborate on a recent court case that further discusses one of those deductions? Of course. Rachel mentioned that musicians can deduct the cost of gear bought for performances. In the Yeomans vs. Commissioner 1958 court case, the court ruled that uniforms may be deducted from gross income if, quote, required or essential in an employment and not suitable for general or personal wear and not so worn, end quote. Oftentimes, musicians wear very theatrical clothing for concerts that they would not normally wear in other situations. For such extreme outfits, the musician would be able to take a deduction on their tax return. With all of these intricacies, what tips do each of you have for anyone in the music industry? So there are many ways in which a musician could be proactive in their tax planning. For example, if the musician sets apart about a third of their income for taxes every year, they'll be much less stressed when it actually comes time to pay those taxes. The musician would also benefit from maintaining records that will substantiate deductible expenses. An easy way to keep up with records and receipts is by taking pictures of them and storing them in a folder for easy access later. Along with these records, keeping performance flyers, press releases, communication with record labels, and other documentation can help prove that the musician is currently pursuing music as a business and may lead to better results if audited by the IRS. Musicians should also keep in mind that they can extend their taxes for six months up to October 15th to give them more time to file. And if they find themselves in a position where they are not able to afford paying their taxes, there are relief options out there, such as applying for an installment agreement to pay off the debt over time. Those are some great tips. Thank you both for your time and for joining us today for this discussion. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you learned a little more about the taxation of the music industry. We hope you join us for the next ep episode of Tax Tea Time, where we spill the tea on taxes. Mm -hmm.